Welcome to episode one of the Point B podcast. I'm super happy you're here. I'm excited about this podcast. For this first episode, I might keep it a little bit short. We'll see um, how we do on time. But from the from the get-go, I want to dive into a few topics that are relevant, obviously, with the election and COVID, and use those as sort of a example of how I approach political ideas and um, topics that can be up for debate but i think my perspective and my take on things will be very different for you uh something you've never heard before because i make a very conscious effort to be as unbiased as possible and give credit where credit's due and um hold people accountable and people's feet to the fire when they need to be held accountable um I want to have fun. I don't want it to be super stiff or rigid. Yes, we're going to talk about politics, but I want this to be a show driven by you, the audience. So if there's a certain topic you want to talk about, or if there's something that you disagree or agree with, or just something you want to share with the audience, my number one objective with this podcast is for it to not be just me. I want to have you, the listener on the show. I want you to be able to call in while I'm recording. Uh, eventually when i start doing the live um, video and audio i want you to be able to call in live i've got the technology to do that it's not hard so we're going to get there but for right now i just want to make it very clear where my opinions come from what my perspective is i don't want to be one of those air quotes journalists out there trying to present things as fact when it's obviously their very biased opinion so i'm not going to do that um let's get into it real quick let's have some fun All right. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, I hope that you listening to episode one obviously is a good sign for me. I hope that you'll be back. I hope you like my take on things. I want to briefly describe who I am as uh, a self-described nobody. Where do I come from? And then um, I want to tell you a little bit about why I started the podcast very briefly. And then we'll use the rest of the show to get into a couple of um, current current topics. But just to to give you a little bit of background, um, as a nobody, I'm just a normal dude. I work a full-time job. I've never had a very large, successful podcast before. I tried years ago, didn't like my own voice, and uh, yeah, it, it didn't take off. So this one I'm excited about because I don't give a crap. And that, that's the beauty of, of 2020 for me is this has been my year to just do things. And so with this podcast, I'm going to obviously talk a lot of politics. That's where my brain naturally goes. But what I hope this will evolve into is just an honest area, not a safe space, but just an honest space where I can engage with you. You can engage with me and with each other through social media and through the podcast, YouTube, things like that. And we can feed off of each other's good ideas because I have this crazy idea and it goes something like this. There's this group in the very far left that's just radical and crazy. And then you've got this other group in the very far right, just as radical, just as crazy. And I just want to kind of disregard those people because I don't care. Those people will never be swayed. I belong somewhere in the middle where whether I'm center right, center left, whatever, it doesn't matter. Point B podcast, the name says it all. 
I don't care where you come from. It doesn't matter to where we're at right now. From the standpoint of it doesn't dictate who you are, how you were raised, what type of school you went to, what type of church you went to, if you went to church, whether you had two parents or one parent or no parents present in the household. Do you have a job? Do you, are you a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad? All of those different things, it doesn't necessarily matter. It matters. It contributes, but it doesn't dictate the opinions that we hold today. What dictates the opinions that we hold today is current fact and our willingness and our strength and our courage to accept fact as fact. And so that's, that's where I want to be with you. Um, I want to approach every single topic from that standpoint. What are the facts? And then let's, if there's going to be a debate, yeah, let's debate. But then at the end of it, let's shake hands and walk away. And that's what excites me. I love getting on social media and talking to people, sharing ideas, and then realizing we just, we disagree on certain principles. And that's cool. It's cool to disagree on principles because principles are honest. So if you disagree with somebody, oh, capitalism capitalism sucks, well, why? And then that's as far as it gets. Well, that was completely unproductive. But if we can discuss, well, this is my experience with running a business, or this is how a very successful business screwed me over or whatever. You know, these rich people over here are keeping all their money and they're keeping other people down, um, things like that. There's there's so much we can get into there. Um, but the the bottom line is, I don't care where you come from. What matters right now is we're all, we left point A and we're at point B. And so now it's up to us which direction we go. But while we're here, let's share ideas. Let's share success stories and advice. And so whether it's politics, it doesn't have to be politics. It could be financial advice. It could just be uh, shooting the breeze about random shows on Netflix or whatever it is, relationship advice, man, I will get down on some relationship advice. I love my wife. I love my marriage. We have a a very unique relationship from what I've seen in other marriages. And I really enjoy it. I enjoy our friendship. I enjoy how much we make each other laugh. And so if you got relationship questions, man, send them my way. I will totally, um, share some feedback there, some advice there. So that's all I'll say about myself, about the podcast. Bottom line, I hope that you recognize that as a nobody, I have nothing to gain from this. I'm not getting paid, obviously, episode one, no sponsors. Nobody's paying me to do this. This is my own time, usually my lunch break or my Saturday or whatever. And I feel I have something to say that needs to be heard. And so if based off of that, you don't want to hear what I have to say, cool, you know, that's, that's fine. There's tons of other podcasts out there, but for the people who do, I believe need to hear maybe a a voice of reason, some just common sense injected into this crazy news cycle, right? I mean, we're what four days away from the election at the time of recording this. So I think it's, it's up to me to use my voice to inject a little bit of sanity into the discussion. And instead of just me being pissed off about what's going on in the news and outsourcing that rage to somebody else's voice. I'm going to say what I want to say and how I want to say it. And we'll see if it resonates with you, the audience. So with that in mind, let's get into it first. I want to get into a, um, an interview between Chris Cuomo on CNN and ice cube. So if you haven't heard, maybe you have heard, but ice cube was, um, consulting or, or working with Trump team advisors 
on their platinum plan for, um, how, how do you say it? Just contributing to the plight of African-Americans. You know, there's um, systemic racism built into the policing system. If you believe that we can get into that as well, but um, wealth inequality, just the inequality of opportunity, things like that. So the Trump team is accepting that as okay, there's something needs to be done. So let's, let's do something to fix it. They called an ice cube. He met with them. And ever since then, ever since ice cube decided to meet with the Trump team, the advisors, which he does say he hasn't actually met with Trump, but since he met with them, he's received so much backlash of people just saying, why would you meet with this racist? Why would you even grace the threshold of his doorstep? Um, and I think he has a very unique perspective to offer. And so instead of just sharing uh, headlines and sharing news stories with biased opinions injected in them, why don't we just listen to the man speak for himself? And he's obviously a very intelligent human being. He's obviously got ideas to fix problems that he perceives need fixing. So let's listen, let's listen to, let's hear him out. And, uh, like I said earlier, I hope this is an example of me going to original sources and not just sharing a hit piece article that bashes him or praises him. I want you to be able to hear what he says and what Chris Cuomo says and how they engage and kind of go back and forth. So uh, I'm going to play that here. Some of these clips are going to be long. Again, full disclosure on this podcast. If you're the type that likes a podcast, that's real quick, fast moving, 10 second uh, audio clip. And then I rip somebody apart. That's not what I'm going to do. My goal is to share audio clips on the podcast that are 30 minutes in, I mean, 30 minutes, no, 30 seconds in length at minimum. Many of them will be over a minute long. And so if that sounds boring to you, just, I warned you, but if you actually like to hear comments from people engaging in discourse and you like to hear the context of what they said and why they said it, this podcast is for you. That is something I believe is sorely missing in this market. Um, people with, I would say just the courage or the, um, man, not even the ability, just the willingness to take time away from my voice, filling your headphones and give the opportunity to the people that I'm talking about to say what they want to say, obviously not on my show, but you get to hear what was said before the 10 second uh, soundbite that everybody else is playing. And you get to hear the 30 seconds after as well. And so I think that is going to give you a leg up on any sort of debate that you have anywhere else, because in most cases, whether it's a celebrity or it's the president or it's the vice president um, running for president now, former vice president, or if it is um, some athlete or a television host, whatever, um, you're actually going to know not just what they said in that moment, but what they said leading up and then after, and you can put the whole puzzle piece together, which is, again, something I think is sorely missing in this field. So, all right, that's enough <laughs> precursor. Let's get into the, uh, the clip of Ice Cube and Chris Cuomo. Go. Here is Ice Cube on prime time. Thank you for taking the opportunity, brother. I appreciate it. Really quickly, uh, so th this is starting at about a minute into this audio clip. This is Ice Cube responds to backlash over Trump collaboration on YouTube. It's uh, from CNN again. Chris Cuomo, Ice Cube. Uh, in that first minute, though, Chris Cuomo led in with basically saying that Ice Cube had um, come out strongly against Trump in 2016 and um, 
same sense. But then all of a sudden, now Ice Cube is working with the Trump administration and siding with them, and he ran to them, and Ice Cube took um, umbrage. Is that the right word? Anyways, he took exception with how Chris Cuomo led into this. So that's where he's coming from in this uh, this clip. Thanks for having me. Uh, Chris, uh, your lead-ins are a little misleading. How so? Um, well, the platinum plan is not my plan. I came up with the contract with Black America, um, and I didn't run to go work with any campaign. Both campaigns contacted me. Both campaigns wanted to talk to me about the contract with Black America. One campaign said, we love what you have, but let's really dig into it after the election. And one campaign said, we love what you have. Uh, what, do you mind talking to us about it? And that's what I did. So I didn't run to nobody. And uh, so that was real misleading to me. Well, I didn't say you ran um, you know, to anybody. I said that you had taken a pivot. Well, you, you, you said I ran over to the Trump team instead of the Biden team. That's just not true. Uh, well, but you are working with me. the Trump team instead I, of the Biden team and people are giving you heat for it. What do you say to them? Well, I'm willing to work with both teams, but I'm just working with whoever is willing to work with me. So the Trump campaign came to me and asked me to explain to them some of the... Uh, contract with black America. That's what I did. I'm not playing no more of these games, these political games. We're not part of a team. We have very broad problems, especially the wealth gap in this country when it comes to black Americans. So I'm going to whoever's in power and I'm going to speak to them about our problems specifically. I'm not going there talking about minorities. I'm not going there talking about people of color or diversity or none of that stuff. I'm going there for black Americans, the ones who are the descendants of slaves. And that's what I'm going to talk to anybody who's in power with that. So if anybody got a problem with that, it seems like a personal problem. Well, here's the problem. And it is. So, well, yeah, of course, uh, as usual, Chris Cuomo goes to explain to the black man fighting for black rights what the actual problem is. But I digress. What, what I loved about this is that Ice Cube, he's not. He's not BSing anybody here. He firmly believes, whether you agree, whether I agree or not, he firmly believes there's systemic racism in America, there's a wealth gap, there is income inequality, and he wants to fix it. And so what I garnered from this audio clip is the fact that Ice Cube does not care about political affiliation. And if you do care about a political affiliation when you're trying to solve problems that you would call air quotes systemic, you're doing the any sort of movement a, a very vast disservice because you're already cutting off half of the American population that might hold the actual solution. Because we can debate all day: is there uh, systemic racism in our in our police? Um, offices and our police teams I'm, I'm blanking on the word but if there is systemic racism let's just say there is can you just can you put a hundred percent of the blame on a current president that has been in office for three years not even almost four years but less than four years less than one term can you can you say that a systemic problem is his fault? No. 
Absolutely not. And so, so if the people that are screaming that all over CNN, MSNBC, even Fox now, that are saying that Trump is the source of all of these problems, it's laughable to, to, think, to think that. So I, I have to give credit to Ice Cube, even though obviously I have a feeling we disagree on some principles behind these issues. He's an honest broker, and I love that term. Um, I listen to a lot of talk radio. There's a certain talk radio host I've listened to for years who's gotten me down this way of thinking. If you're not an honest broker you're, and you're engaging in debate, you're wasting your time because you're never going to sway that opinion. You're never going to change somebody's mind who thinks that a systemic problem is the result of one election. Because let's face it, where a lot of these issues are, they are in states that have been controlled by the same political party for decades. And if there are issues in the um, within the police that are systemic, there is racism being bred into these uh, police groups, whether it's a city or it's a, a county level, whatever, state level, you have to remember that the chief of police is not an elected position. So nobody's voting him out. The p- chief of police is getting appointed by a city mayor. And so the city chief of police is not beholden to the people that they are representing. They are just appointed to do a job. And so, as I'm sure you can imagine just from any TV show you've ever watched, when you've got these political appointees that are engaging in, oh man, enforcing the law, and I would, and I think most people would argue in, in many areas of the country, enforcing it badly, why are they individually not held account- accountable? And then why is the person who appointed them to office not held accountable? That's a problem for me. Instead, they outsource that rage to a governor or to a president. And so if you're engaging in that, if you're saying, Donald Trump, it is your fault that this city has systemic racism, you're part of the problem. You, you got to step back a little bit and just think. Think who, who has put these people into position. How can somebody run for president and blame or run for vice president, actually, for being specific about a person, run for vice president of one political party and blame systemic racism on a man that has nothing to do with the fact that in her or his, her state, the rate at which black men were arrested for nonviolent drug-related crimes skyrocketed under one specific person and that specific person is blaming somebody on the opposite end of the political spectrum for these systemic problems it's laughable and so something else that ice cube does dive a little bit further into is that um the wealth gap as he calls it and he goes into a little bit about how it's not a matter of just silencing racist or silencing racism it's about providing opportunity to the people who haven't had it. And with that opportunity, you might say opportunity zones uh, could contribute to allowing these subgroups to rise up, to, uh, to be on the same level as their counterparts that might be other races or other social demographic backgrounds. Obviously, specifically here, it's African-Americans. 
So listen to what he has to say about the wealth gap. It doesn't give you concern that the president has handled police violence the way he has in terms of his commitment to work on any of the issues that you think are important? We've been dealing with police violence in this country from day one. So police violence is just part of our life here. So, you know, the thing is this, once we get some capital, we'll be treated better. This is a capitalistic society. True. And if you ain't got no money, you see how people get treated on the streets when they ain't got no money. Not just you money, know, wealth. The, wealth. You got to be able to build up wealth, wealth within the community. Yeah, you know, to put it in uh, greater terms. But, you know, at the bottom line is, you know, uh, dollars bring dignity. And mm -hmm. so uh, everybody in America knows that. When you got a little more money, they treat you a little better. So we need to close this wealth gap. Um, you know, you got people, you know, making a families making one hundred twenty thousand dollars or worth one hundred twenty thousand dollars. And you got black families worth two hundred dollars. That this is just it's uh, it's just an enormous wealth gap that keeps growing. It's not getting smaller. Uh, do the you know, do the research and you'll see. OK, he gets a little bit into the weeds there. I, I see what he's saying. You can you can find an example of anybody from any subgroup who is worse off than somebody of a different race within the same industry or whatever. I mean, I would argue that there is plenty of opportunity for African-Americans within different uh, industries or whatever you want to call it. Um, he's focused on specific facts that there are black people in America who have not had the same oppor opportunities to gain wealth or capital, as he puts it. And I think there's something to be said about that. And I think that that is something I think that's a, a good reason why he's probably working with the Trump administration and that black unemployment has just taken a nosedive. Unemployment has taken a nosedive under the Trump administration, obviously pre-COVID, but there's been so much opportunity given. You've got Dr. Ben Carson, an insanely smart individual, and he's heading the, what is it, HUD housing, urban development, I think. And they're creating these black opportunity zones where it's, hey, let's not make it easier for people to move into successful white neighborhoods, you know, because all that does is it creates racial strife and it's somebody coming in and, you know, taking over a community or, or, or trying to assimilate into a community that maybe either either race doesn't want to necessarily assimilate i don't know it's it's not something that just can be forced it's one of those things that has to happen naturally so instead of forcing this merger um where you you know you hear trump saying that he's he's saving suburbia he's saving suburban america because you've got low income housing being forced into these neighborhoods that have obviously done something and it's not that they're all white it's that there are people of multiple races in these communities that have come together and done good things together and they're successful. And so they got there by doing things that weren't successful, trying things out and they found a formula that works for them. So instead of trying to force the issue, what the Trump administration has done is created opportunity zones where it's all right, let's, let's give capital to these entrepreneurs, to these people who want 
to want an opportunity. They don't want a handout. They want an opportunity. Let's give them that opportunity. And then from that point, it's, you know, pass or fail. And so I think, I think that there's, there can be a lot of good that would come between an honest broker like Ice Cube and somebody who has proven over and over that he really does not have a formula for success. He didn't come into office saying, I'm going to do A, B, and C and fix the problems. We're hearing that from the other side of the aisle. It's get rid of this one guy, elect me, and we'll fix all these problems. That's, I mean, <laughs> oh, well, there's so much I can say there, but um, I think that it's good to, for somebody like Ice Cube working with Trump who really wants to say, all right, I don't have the answer. What is your idea? We'll consider it, consider it as best as we can. While the other side of the aisle has said, sounds good. We'll talk to you after the election. And I think that was very telling of the Biden party to, to tell somebody like Ice Cube, who is in society, in the culture, and just tell them, you know, pump the brakes, bro. I'll talk to you on November 4th, where the Trump team said, yeah, let's talk. I mean, I can't say we're going to take all of your ideas, but let's at least hear them out. So I think that that, I think that's great. I think it's a good step to, to solving an issue like air quotes, systemic racism. So that I think was very good. Something else I want to get into a, a completely different topic is, um, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey is somebody I've, I've always really liked hearing. I've never really followed his movies. Um, as far as his acting goes, obviously he's, he's great. He's very successful. Uh, I just haven't seen a whole lot of movies with him in him, but the ones I have seen, he's good. I mean, he's, he's Matthew McConaughey in pretty much every role, but, um, you know kind of who he is. But what I have liked about him is every time he's in the news, it's because he's doing something positive. You know, he's not in the news because he called somebody a, a bad word on on live TV or he got into a back-and-forth argument with somebody on Fox News. It's he has a positive message, and he finds a way to get that message out to the most people who need to hear it. And that, to me, is he's, a, he's an encourager. And we need more encouragers in our society. So I want to, he, he did an interview with Fox News. It might have been Fox Business. I can't remember. But he's got a new book called Green Lights. And he's talking about green lights being opportunities, where he seized these good opportunities. How did he come across these good opportunities and what came of them? And one of the things he gets into is he's, he's talking about keeping a journal and, and tracking his habits when good things are happening, what caused him, things like that. And then he also gets into a little bit of uh, the, the politics behind the election and COVID. But again, his perspective is just so unique and so positive and uplifting that I really wanted to share it with y'all. Uh, this might be the cap on the end of the episode, which would be great. It'd be a good positive note to close on. We'll see how we are with time. But um, again, this is Matthew McConaughey on McConaughey, McConaughey. I don't know. I always say McConaughey um, on Fox News. The, the clip, in case you want to watch the whole thing, it's not super long. It's only 14 minutes. Uh, Matthew McConaughey on 2020 election. Time to get constructive on Fox News and go. I've been keeping diaries, journals, whatever you want to call them, for 36 years. So since I was 14 years old, I was writing things down. Now, mind you, what do most people go to their journal for when they're having trouble in their life, when they're trying to figure things out? I did write in my journal when I was trying to figure, figure things out. When my girlfriend broke up with me or I had a heartbreak or was getting a bump of, bunch of pimples on my face or what have you. But I also went to my journal. I noticed when things were going well for me, when I was catching 
green lights, when I was feeling like I was successful, my relationships were successful, my career was successful. Right. So what I found is that when I would get in a rut again in life is I could go back to my diaries and see and dissect the times when I had success. And I found habits that I had when I was successful and happy in my life um, and the happiest. I found it was who I was hanging around with, where I was going, uh, how much sleep I was getting, uh, what I was doing. And I and when I would go back to times when I was successful and look at my diary, it would help me recalibrate and get back in line mm-hmm. in times where maybe I was I was having a little trouble. Wow. Uh, fascinating. Also, I'm, I'm- fascinating. Um, so, again, something like this, it just makes me want to keep a journal. It makes me want to be like Matthew McConaughey because it's just so much common sense, right? Like nobody talks just so clearly, you know, so many people try to be eloquent and have these profound ideas and, and be held up for that. But Matthew, I like to call him Matt, just kidding. Matthew likes to just say what is in his brain. However, it's in his brain. And that to me is freaking cool. And then on this next clip, he he they tried to obviously like any television show is going to do. They tried to get him to to speak a little bit about his political leanings, what he thinks about the election and things like that. And obviously, he doesn't take the bait because he's the celebrity we don't deserve. He's just that cool. But uh, he he does get a little bit into the politi- politicization of. COVID, which I, I thought was a very good perspective. So again, Matthew McConaughey, go. With with everything going on in our country right now, we're almost less than two weeks away from the election in Hollywood. Yeah. Some people in Hollywood are very vocal about what they think of this president. And back in 2017, it was so refreshing to hear you say this. We're going to play the soundbite. It's kind of like the fourth wall, a soundbite within a soundbite. Oh, they don't have a choice now. He's our president, and um, it's very dynamic and as divisive of an inauguration in time that we've ever had. At the same time, it's time for us to embrace, shake hands with this fact, and be constructive with him over the next four years. So what was the reaction of your friends in Hollywood when you said that? You know, growing up, you grew up in Texas. I grew up in the South, too. And we were taught, even in church, no matter who is elected, you pray for your leaders. You pray for the leaders of this country and you support our country. But what was the reaction of folks in Hollywood when you said that? Well, most of my reaction was fine and, under, and understood it. And people that know me understand exactly what I was talking about as well. There were a few on the on the fringe that, you know, if you said anything, like I said there, they were like, you know, put me over here and said, said certain things, but that'll happen. Um, look, it's about, you know, and look at where we are right now. I've got a theme in the book is when you're dealing with the inevitable, when faced with the inevitable, get relative. Well, right now, two weeks out from the election, we are in the relative, we're in the, we're, we're in the relative stage. It's not inevitable who's going to win. After that happens, whether it's an incumbent in Trump or whether it's Biden, after it happens is when it's time to get constructive and not be in denial. That comment that I made back then was about, hey, whoever is still going, I do not believe it. I don't believe what happened. It's time to get constructive and not deny the fact of whatever has happened to get con- and get constructive and get uh, embrace the situation. That's That's not just for a situation like that. That goes for us a lot of times, a lot of things in life. So many, many times people deny certain realities and you miss it. You miss dealing with it um, in whatever way you need to by via the denial. 
And obviously, who, whoever it's going to be that's going to be the commander in chief and president of the United States of America, um, that's not something, um, hopefully, that we're going to be able to deny or be able to argue about. I hope it's a clean election. I hope the election is clean in whichever way it goes that there is a, a very clean transformation and transport of power, or if there is a transport, or if, or, if, or if Trump stays, whichever way it goes, I hope that it's clean and that there's no debate um, and that we can head into 2021 um, knowing who very clearly who our commander in chief is. Isn't that something we all need to hear? I, I'm Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's the people I listen to um, or the articles I read or whatever, but it seems like Everybody is just on pins and needles about this election, and obviously it's it's a very uh, tight election. It's a very consequential election. I mean, you hear every single four years, oh, this is the most important election in our lifetime. But, you know, there's so many things at play right now. There's so many moving pieces. The chessboard is just all over the place. And you don't, there's just the doubts and the rumors of, well, who's got a little trick up their sleeve. Who, who's who's not disclosing everything? And that to me is the is the biggest. You know, they used to say after nine eleven, well, don't don't sacrifice this freedom or the terrorist wins. I think the same can be said here. Is there's people out there who want this chaos that's happening right now. There are powers in the world that benefit from the United States being in chaos, from us being divided, from us not maximizing our potential because you know what when we're working together when we're all united like we were in 2001 we're capable of anything and we have changed the world over and over and over whether it's technology whether it's health and science whether it's space exploration ocean exploration environmentalism reducing carbon emissions the next energy source, whether it's wind, solar, natural gas, whatever it is, we're the leaders in all of it. And when that is the case, the world is better off. And so I, I, everybody just seems to be so locked on to what's going to happen in the next four days that they're burning. We are burning our bridges with each other. And we're not stopping to think about what the hell is going to happen on November 4th, on November 5th, on January 30th. You know, what is going to happen when we come towards the end of COVID and we have to actually see each other out in society and, and we can't just badmouth and, and bullshit about each other on social media with no consequences? We got to think about what the next step is. And, you know, this leads me into a topic that I'll close with. Um, again, very positive. Well, at least a positive perspective of something that's got very negative consequences if not handled correctly. And that's our treatment of each other, but also the treatment of people that we'll never talk to or see or meet in person. But what we've become increasingly comfortable with, especially in this faceless world where we're faceless on social media, we're faceless on phone calls, we're faceless in comments, we're faceless in DMs, we're even faceless out in public because we've got these masks on. And we've lost our sense of humanity. And and something that I think is sorely missing from society is just the benefit of the doubt. And you know, I mentioned um, relationship advice earlier. I've been in so many relationships where I don't say the right things. I, I, I suck with words. Words are hard for me sometimes. And so when I 
when I engage in a discussion with a significant other and I say something stupid, but my intent was obviously not to say something mean. I obviously wasn't calling you fat, whatever, you know, but, but the other party decides, no, 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 that's what you said. That's an, and that's how I'm going to take it. And that's how I'm going to respond. And it, it cuts off that benefit of the doubt when it, that doesn't exist in a relationship you're walking on eggshells no matter what. And take that into a, a statewide or a nationwide um, ratio or a scale. You've got serious consequences from our pride, from our, our, our inability to just give each other the benefit of the doubt. We assume that because this faceless person, I don't know what they believe on any other topic, but because of this one topic, because they don't hate Biden or they don't hate Trump on this specific, very narrow topic, I'm going to assume exactly what, what they believe in everything else. You know, I used to think it was hilarious seeing people, especially in the older crowd, that would see a, a meme or whatever about Hillary Clinton and it's not verified. In fact, it's probably on Snopes or Fact Checker, and it's completely false. It's photoshopped, whatever. They never said the quote. But you have people that will say, well, I wouldn't doubt it. And when I hear that, it's like, oh, but you should. You should doubt it. You should believe that that person is capable of better. And if they decide to sink to a lower level, that's up to them. And it's up to you as an individual to hold yourself to a higher standard. And so I have a very specific story. I had a, um, I'll say a, a coworker at one time told me in, in that neighborhood that that person lived in that there was a certain couple on the cul-de-sac or whatever that for some reason everybody in the area was... <laughs> I'm trying to remember the story correctly. Basically, everybody was going over and I guess giving housewarming gifts. Nobody knew who they were. They were just, all right, knew the neighborhood. Let's give them a candle or some potpourri or some whatever. So this person went over, knocked on the door. Two females answered and one was very feminine. One was very um, masculine in certain ways. And it was very obvious. Um, they both had wedding rings on that they were a couple, two females okay, it's 2020, like nobody's surprised by that anymore. But this person in the community that, that, that they lived in was kind of taken aback by it, not offended, but taken aback and shocked. And this encounter changed this person that I knew. It changed their outlook on homosexuality almost in general, because it was like, wait a second, if I can have just a lovely conversation out on a patio with this homosexual married couple and the fact that they're homosexual didn't even come up in the conversation but we just had a lovely conversation how can i then not treat them or look at them the same way i would look at myself or a member of my family or a friend or whatever could it be that they are simply people as well and not not to say that this person looked down on people but just having that encounter to it's almost like a definitive point where you see somebody's humanity. And I think that we're, we, we're missing out on that a lot of times where, you know, you, somebody cuts you off and you flip them the bird, but there's never that opportunity to find out, well, they were in a rush because whatever their, their kid was thrown up at school or had a really bad fever. They had to go pick them up. You know, there, there's, 
There's a plethora, an infinite amount of reasons why that person could be rushing. One of those reasons could be that that person is just a dick, you know, but there's also the, the, the possibility that there is something happening in that person's life that trumps your ability to get to Sonic or whatever. So I think stories like that are great for us to have not just a positive outlook, but a hopeful outlook on the rest of 2020, the election, 2021, what's going to happen with COVID. It's so important for us to just look at each other and say, that is a person just like I'm a person. And whether they vote the same way I do or not, I don't give a crap. Just treat each other well. You know, it's almost like there's a, I don't know, like a silver or a copper or maybe a golden rule somewhere about loving your neighbor and treating each other the the way you'd want to be treated. I don't know. Is that the golden rule? I don't know. But either way, it matters. It's important. If you want to be treated with respect, treat others with, with respect. And bringing that back to the Point B podcast, that's what we're all about here. That's what I, I'm trying to do is let's get more perspectives on the podcast and let's discuss and hash out all these different issues, political, financial, health, personal, relationships, whatever. And let's just really dive into these things, but let's do it giving each other the benefit of the doubt and expecting respect out of each other and out of ourselves, more importantly. So with that, we're uh, we're coming up to the... F- 45, 42 minute mark. And I want to do my absolute best to keep these podcasts under an hour. Obviously I don't want to go over 45 minutes just so you know, I don't, I, I absolutely respect every single person who listens to this podcast and gives me their time. There are so many other podcasts out there that you could be listening to. So the fact that you tuned into episode one, whether you tune into episode two and and beyond or not at this point it's 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 moot i i am honored that you're listening and i respect your time so we're going to keep things uh, as short as possible that being said um if you have topic ideas if you agree if you disagree if you want to come on the show find us on facebook it's point b podcast and again we don't care where you come from all that matters is that you're here and let's make the most of it take care we'll see you next week